Is it possible to eat what you want and still see stable and predictable blood sugars after meals? Now, as somebody living with type 1 diabetes, today I want to talk to you about what it's like to look at different diet options, not feel locked into the same one, and of course, the three key factors that you need to take into consideration and master if you expect to see stable blood sugars after any meal. Let's get into our theme song. I've spent the last 10 years pushing the limits while identifying trends and patterns in my type 1 diabetes management. Follow along as I learn, apply, and share the fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle strategies that I've learned from diabetes experts around the world. The real question is, how can we live fearlessly with diabetes while maintaining stable blood sugars? This podcast is here to give you the answer. My name is Matt Vandevecht, head coach and co-founder of FTF Warrior, and welcome to Part of My Pancreas. All right, so if you've been following along the last couple of episodes, we've been going through different diets and how they impact blood sugars. And so as someone living with type 1 diabetes myself, as well as a nutritionist and certified master fitness trainer, I've been going through these different exercises and meals and activities and lifestyles over the years, documenting my progress and letting you know about what I learned. And of course, when I was going through the different dietary shifts, uh, I came across some very interesting different observations, different data points, different results as I was going through them. And as you may have picked up, I've checked out you know, uh, the results behind keto, even though I was never 100% keto, I was never actually in ketosis, but following a lot of the similar protocols, I checked out low carb, I checked out high carb, I checked out if it fits in your macros. The last episode we talked about going vegan and how I was vegan for three months. In fact, I was a, a stricter version of vegan, which is low fat, whole food, plant-based, requiring that you reduce your overall fat intake. Now the takeaway from that last lesson, we're gonna to apply to this one and talk about the three key factors that you need to be aware of if you expect to shift between diets like I did and still see stable and predictable blood sugars. So in today's episode, I'm gonna show you a little bit about those transitional phases between the different types of diets that I was following and experimenting with along with those three key factors because I want you to have that uh, that opportunity to shift between different types of foods. I don't want you to feel locked into eating the same boring foods every single day for the rest of your life just in order to see stable blood sugars, right? Like, I get it, stable blood sugars are amazing. I love them too, but I want you to be able to live your life and actually enjoy food, especially if you're going out with family, friends, or traveling, right? So, uh, the transitions between these different dietary choices that I had, it started with uh, more of a, a keto approach because honestly, if you've heard the full story, you know the background for this one, I was at one point in my life scared of taking insulin. And for me, I was like, oh, I just don't eat as many carbs and I can not take as much insulin. Cool, win-win, I'll just <laughs> you know, put a band-aid over that fear, right? I uh, learned to slowly reintroduce taking an accurate amount of insulin back into my life. I uh, found myself kind of eating low carb and then I, uh, over the course of eating low carb was like, ah, I do miss a lot of foods though. You know, like my blood sugars are cooperating. I don't have to be fearful about the insulin I'm taking because it's not like absurd amounts like I used to take, but I miss the carbs. And then of course, over the course of the next couple of months after that, I uh, found this new way of living, you know, doing some research on my own that if you go vegan, it can help with type one. And I was like, all right, I'll give that a shot too. <laughs> and when I looked back at these different diets that I was kind of experimenting with and finding myself just kind of rolling through diet to diet to diet every couple of months, I was switching it up. The transitional period between diets was actually quite challenging. 
that period of time, I noticed my insulin sensitivity change. So my insulin needs overall, um, to simplify it, my insulin to carb ratio, right? The bolus, how much insulin I was taking for my meals. My basal insulin shifted dramatically. My correction factors shifted dramatically. Uh, the way that I was digesting shifted. The way that I felt after meals shifted. So, you know, uh, being more in the, the keto realm or the low carb realm, you've got lots of fats and proteins. Uh, my overall satiation was incredibly high and I felt full all the time. And that's one of the pros between proteins and fats is that they keep you fuller longer, right? Uh, and then as I shifted to the vegan lifestyle, recognizing that I felt more energetic, I felt clean, I felt like a, a fine-tuned machine, right? But I was always hungry. It was never ending. I would finish my meal and then be looking around for like, what's the next meal? You know, and I had just consumed like a thousand calories and I was like, wow, I could eat all day. Uh, and that was quite interesting. But as far as the diabetes front goes, the blood sugar is responding differently. You know, as I had the, the higher fat, higher protein, that corrections tended to take a little bit longer, right? The, the higher blood sugars would linger. Even though I did require less insulin overall, the insulin that I did take tended to take a little bit longer for it to impact my blood sugars. And that was frustrating. And of course, through different processes like gluconeogenesis, we know that proteins and fats uh, in different uh, meal structures can actually require differing amounts of insulin than we used to think, right? We used to think that fats and proteins and cheese and eggs and all this stuff was free and that we didn't have to dose for it with insulin. At least that's what I was told. I don't know about you. But through the years, they've under, undercovered, understood <laughs> and uncovered uh, that this new research is showing that we actually need insulin for higher amounts of protein and fats and how this is impacting our blood sugars in the long term. It's not just basal that needs to be adjusted. It's uh, actual correction or preemptive corrections for the protein rise. And it's interesting data that shows after I went vegan, you know, all of the, the notes that I took, how I reduced my overall insulin by 70%, which is insane when you really take a second to think about that 70% reduction of insulin overall. Uh, definitely a notable piece of data there, and I did take note. So with these different transitions, what I came to recognize is that it's not necessarily that one specific diet works for people living with type 1 diabetes. There is no magic diet, right? Even though a lot of people tend to push or be drawn to the lower carb lifestyle, that's not the one diet that you have to follow. In fact, you have a choice. But what people get stuck in is they pick the low carb because it's a band-aid fix, right? It makes life easier, you're taking less insulin, you still get to eat a good amount of food, there's less margin for error, you don't have to worry as much about messing up your insulin to carb ratio if you don't have very many carbs in the first place, right? And that's the whole point behind the ratio. If the ratio is off and you have a ton of carbs, you're gonna miss by a lot. But if you're off and you have just a little bit of carbs, you're not gonna miss by very much. Blood sugars shouldn't be too difficult to manage. That's kind of the idea behind low carb. Uh, but with that being said, when people do go to low carb, I just recognize my face is all sorts of covered by the sun. Let's get that covered up. There we go. <laughs> what I did notice though, uh, is that when people go into low carb or go into keto, they find that they are locked in essentially. And this is because when they get into this pattern of eating, this pattern of macronutrient restriction, right? There's a restriction of carbohydrates that when they do introduce carbohydrates, like a, a hamburger fries and a milkshake, let's say you go out and get some pizza with some friends, blood sugars are just messy. They're gnarly for the rest of the night. They're very difficult to control. And we see that experience as, oh no, I can't have carbs. Carbs are the devil, 
right? And all of a sudden it becomes this life of restriction because we think that low carb must be the only way that we can possibly see stable blood sugars. But then people on the other side of the equation, you know, the low fat vegan crowd or vegetarian, whatever they are, uh, whatever they choose to be, they see that fats and proteins can cause some issues because they see that carbs, so long as they are covered properly, don't necessarily cause massive wild fluctuations, but they see the proteins and fats as like, oh man, but the proteins and fats hours later are gonna come and get you. Those are the worst thing ever, right? And there's kind of this battle, like almost this cultish separation of we're the low carbers, we're the keto people, we're the vegans, and everyone's kind of fighting for their own uh, individual group, their tribe, right? And unfortunately, there's a lot of misunderstandings between them. And this is what I came to recognize through traveling through these different types of cultures, right? Uh, you know, sort of traveling, I don't know how to put that, but basically, as I was shifting through different dietary patterns, I recognized there are three key factors that exist for everyone as we're going through these different types of meal structures and covering them with insulin as we see fit, right? So I can't tell you how much insulin to take, but what I can tell you is what to look for in order to apply your existing knowledge of how much insulin do you take. And those are the three factors of the, well, we'll just call them what they are, macronutrients, which if you don't know what that is, it is carbs, fats, and proteins. Basically everything that you eat is made up of carbs, fats, and proteins, okay? There are exceptions to the rule, but most foods have some level of carbs, fats, and proteins in them, and if they don't, likely other pieces of your meal probably do, unless you're extremely hyper-restricted and you've completely removed one of the macronutrients from your diet, uh, which is unlikely. Most people have at least trace amounts of them. But with these three macronutrients, okay, carbs, fats, proteins, what we notice is that the different shift between diets is not that one diet is better than the other, it's that strategies have been built around certain macronutrient percentages. Now, some of this is going to sound way high level. It might be going over your head. Uh, very few people understand the concept of uh, macronutrient shifts or the percentages as we see them differ throughout the day for different types of diets. Most of the time, we just eat similar foods. We are creatures of habit, right? If, if I say that I'm low carb, I'm going to steer away from carb-heavy meals. Oh, can't have pasta. Oh, can't have rice, right? And you've built these rules around your diet. And so you're unaware of the rules that you're already following, which is a macronutrient percentage profile. And so what I've noticed as I shifted between these different diets is that it's not necessarily uh, one set specific set of rules that you need, but rather the habits and knowledge gained through each type of diet. So if you were to go from low carb, spend two years doing that, to keto, spend two years doing that, to vegan, spend two years doing that, to paleo, spend two years doing that, and just kind of shift through each of the diets, the two years of each diet practice, we can call it, you would have built up knowledge, you would have built up habits, you would have built up skills in order to see blood sugar stabilize through those different types of diets. So what we see is that the pre-bolus needs to shift, the bolus amount needs to shift, the potential need for a split bolus needs to shift, or taking two doses if you're MDI, or an extended bolus or square wave or dual wave, all the different terms for it, basically taking a second set of insulin to cover a delayed rise of proteins and fats, if it's enough, that's a different conversation though. But between the different diets, you're gonna see different strategies needed in order to see stable blood sugars for your specific diet. And if you're shifting between low fat vegan to keto to low carb to eat whatever you want because it's Friday, you're gonna see that you need to have a dynamic strategy that adjusts to each different type of diet, right? So if you're going out 
let's say with your vegan friends and today I'm gonna be vegan cool well that's likely gonna be higher carb in most cases and you're gonna have to adjust and then the next day you're like oh I'm going out with my friends who are all keto so we're just having specific uh, keto friendly meals really high fat content super low carb and relatively low protein cool way different strategy than if I were vegan right we're switching it all up now I'm going to low carb okay now you have some carbs but it's still pretty high in proteins and fats so I have to take that into consideration and a quick tip for you guys because um, we're kind of we're drawing this one out a bit uh, if you are looking at the macronutrients okay carbs fats proteins we see that carbs have the most direct correlation with blood sugar spikes yes if they're not covered properly with the right strategies fats delay the absorption of the foods okay delays gastric emptying of the, the digestive system and proteins we're looking at kind of a delayed rise which can also slow down the absorption of the carbs as well so with that knowledge depending on how many carbs how much fat how much proteins you have in your average meal your strategies need to shift and so most of us do fall into a relatively consistent routine of eating Okay, let's just be real. A lot of us have the same types of foods that we go to on a daily basis, whether it's because of that's what's in the fridge, or maybe it's because you just tend to like that food and you're, you're not very adventurous with the types of food that you're eating, but you tend to stick to a similar macronutrient profile overall. And so as you shift and go out with friends, that's where these strategies need to be taken. Uh, you know, on a, what's the a la carte phrase, whatever, they have to shift, right? So as we're looking at different meal types, different meal structures, or different snacks, your strategies for dosing insulin need to shift along with those shifts in dietary choices, okay? So if you're going out to a barbecue, wildly different strategy than if you are gonna have a soda, right? Completely different strategy required for insulin dosing. The amount, the timing, uh, how long you wait, all these different things uh, need to be taken into account. So I wanted to kind of share this with you. Hopefully this makes sense. Uh, in fact, I would love to know down below, like if if this is even helpful for you guys. I was considering making like a what Matt eats in a day, just to walk you through the choices that I make and what types of foods go on my plate, and I can kind of walk you through what making these decisions looks like. You know, if I'm looking at my plate and saying, okay, it's got this amount of carbs, this fats, this proteins, this is how we approach this meal. Um, would that be helpful? If so, drop it in the comments if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, I would love to know because I obviously don't want to make content that nobody cares about. <laughs> I want to make sure this is helpful to you. So if that would be helpful, let me know. If there's no comments for it, I won't make it. No worries. Uh, but I want you to understand that different macronutrient amounts are going to shift your needs for insulin. Okay? And this is the the big discussion between people who have that cultish energy behind their dietary choices you know the vegans who are low fat saying that fat's the worst thing ever and then the low carbers and keto people who are saying carbs the worst thing ever and then you got people all in between saying well i should be able to eat whatever i want so long as i give insulin for it and you know there's, there's truth to each of these different groupings but what they don't understand is that you can have a dynamic approach you can change what you eat on a daily basis if you want but you do have to have the right strategies. So those three key factors, okay, are the macronutrients, carbs, fats, proteins. And I gave you the tip of the iceberg is really what it was. Just looking at carbs have the most direct correlation with blood sugar spikes, fats delay gastric emptying so it slows down the absorption, and proteins can be a delayed spike, especially in a low carb or keto presence. It's more of a gluconeogenesis and can lead to uh, delayed and stubborn blood sugars later on. Each of those three, are going to shift your insulin needs and or require insulin of their own. 
Now, for that kind of info, if you want to get more of a deep dive into your personalized macronutrient profile, where you would actually craft your own specific diet, you know, based on foods you actually want to eat and not feel locked into a restrictive diet, that's where my training comes into play. We actually updated um, the way that we approach this uh, macronutrient diversity and looking at how we can choose foods that we want, still have cheat days and have a strategy that is dynamic so you don't have to stick to one type of restrictive diet. If that's something you're into, definitely go check out the new training at diabetesinaction.com. Keep an ear out for the personalized macronutrient profiles, all right? Listen for that. That's something that we teach our clients. That's something I want you to be aware of because again, you do not have to be locked in to one specific diet. I am a perfect example of that. I've tried just about every diet out there. And on each of those diets, I was able to accomplish steady and predictable blood sugars. You can have that too, but you gotta know what you're doing in order to put it into practice. So go to diabetesinaction.com, keep an ear out for those three words, personalized macronutrient profile, okay? Once you hear that, pay attention, implement, because as you know, knowledge without implementation is essentially useless. You have to put it into practice if you want to experience the results, all right? So hopefully today makes sense. I know we are kind of going a little bit deep and kind of we're trying to bring it all together, all the different types of diets into one specific lesson. So go grab that advanced training over at diabetesinaction.com. If you have not yet, be sure to subscribe. I wanna see you in the other videos. I love seeing your comments down below. Be sure to say hi and I will say hi back. Let me know if you have any questions or if you want me to go deeper in any topics. I will see you in the next one and keep up the fight.